Welcome to the Mr. Vincent Podcast. I am your host, Emmanuel Vincent, and we are on the eve of the NBA playoffs starting, the bubble playoffs, I like to refer to it as. Um, So uh, for this episode, um, I was able to chat with a good friend of mine over the weekend, Kwani Lunas, who is a multimedia journalist for NBC10 Boston and NECN. Um, So what we talked about essentially was... um, previewing the Celtics, um, first round opponent, um, as they will be playing the, uh, Sixers game one tomorrow night, six 30, I believe. And we also talked about the maturation of, uh, Jason Tatum, um, this year, along with Brad Stevens and his recent extension that he got and his, um, foreseeable future with the Boston Celtics. And we also touched on, um, these athletes, these players on the Celtics who are still, um, fighting the good fight in an effort to combat, racial inequality even while um still performing um in the bubble um so we talked about that and some more as well too um overall though this was a great product that the nba put on um kudos to adam silver and them for essentially implementing this infrastructure making sure that the players were safe first and foremost by routinely um testing for covid19 um and uh just again putting on a great product i was really concerned when i heard that the um league was going to come back um with no fans in attendance because i just couldn't grasp my head around that concept because whether athletes like to admit it or not they like draw so much energy from the crowd whether it's home or away um the crowd is an essential part of of sports so when the news came out that they were going to come back with no fans in attendance, I was a little like worried, like, how is this going to look? How, how can they pull this off? And I'm happy to see that I was wrong because these guys were really out there playing extremely, extremely hard. Um, I don't think that the virtual fans had any impact on them playing hard. Uh, I think that they would be the same if there was no virtual fans. I'm not really a fan of the virtual fans thing, but hey, it's cool. You give fans an opportunity to be a part of the game. Uh, and, you know, to provide a sense of normalcy in, in some aspect. So I, I'm not really going to knock it. I just personally can do without it. Um, great stories, too, that, that took place in the bubble. Uh, TJ Warren, who was going off. Uh, Devin Booker leading the uh, Phoenix Suns to an 8-0 record and still not even making the playoffs. That sounds crazy, right? Um, but we also, But they also can use that as momentum going forward um, because they have a lot of talent around um young talent mind mind you too um to go along with booker and multi williams has done a great job um i can't emphasize that enough um I'm, and he was the coach of the uh coach winner for the bubble and then of course dame logo lillard who's went off ballistic in this bubble like it was something special to watch man now i'm not sure if all these things could have took place in a traditional setting but hey this this makes it this made it really really exciting and the fact that all these that these games were starting as early as one o'clock in the afternoon with the last game being as late as like nine nine thirty really made for like a march madness type feel um it, it was exciting um so I, i'm glad to see that the nba made something out of this and were able to salvage their season I just wish that the MLB and the NFL could have took a similar approach. I know that with both um, with both of those um, leagues, it's a lot harder to implement a bubble type infrastructure um, as opposed to the NBA. And plus, the NBA season was like three quarters done. Uh, but still, you would like to see them at least try to attempt 
to make a um, a bubble atmosphere as opposed to going about things as if there was no pandemic going on. Um, I, I want to make sure I want to see that these leagues, um, well, the NFL especially start and finish on time as we've seen baseball had um, some break some breakouts with the uh, COVID-19 um, cases. Um, now, also with this bubble, one of the things that I was really concerned about too start with the start of this is the risk of injury. Um, you're asking guys who are off for about four months prior to that who are, who are like playing at a high level um, and going full, full throttle to essentially come back and do the same thing again in a condensed schedule. Um, and again, games played like early throughout the day, like early throughout the day or late at night. Um, I just felt like this can be um, risks for a possible injury. And I see why a player like Jason Tatum was a little worried about this because he is up for a rookie extension this offseason. Um, so, hey, he wants to protect his investment and make sure that if anything happens to him, he will be taken care of. So I definitely see that now because we've seen a lot of key players um, go down. Um, obviously, we have Ben Simmons, who is out with a dislocated knee, kneecap. Um, CJ McCollum out there playing with a with a fractured back, um, who made some big, big shots down the stretch um, to help Portland advance uh, into the playoffs to play the Lakers as they uh, beat the um, Grizzlies in the playing game on Saturday. Uh, by the way, the uh, NBA should really consider implementing that law going forward, that playing uh, game. Um, that can make for a, a, a lot of uh, excitement and potential ratings a draw. So they should really look at that going forward. Um, and then, of course, we have Russell Westbrook, who was scheduled. Well, he's definitely out for game one um, as the Rockets play the uh, Thunder in the first round. Um, but they were talking about he could probably miss the first three games of the series. And honestly, um, that that can be a real, real problem for the Rockets. Um, this OKC team is really, really good. Credit to Chris Paul, Billy Donovan. Um, for what they're doing down in the OKC. I mean, a lot of people thought that once Chris Paul got there, this is they were going to essentially be bottom of the barrel and it's going to be a rebuilding um, stage. But they actually made it to the playoffs in the fifth seed. And yeah, Chris Paul, I think, should honestly get some type of consideration for MVP for what he's doing year 15. Um, obviously, who just when he got traded from the Rockets, it was just like he was blindsided. Um, but instead, he's acted like a soldier he took responsibility to be a leader on this young Thunder team. Um, and look at where they're at now. No one could have saw them making the playoffs. I know I didn't see them making the playoffs. Um, yeah, so overall, I'm really satisfied with what I've seen in the bubble. Um, it's been great to watch. Um, and it's just can't wait to see what happens uh, going forward. But uh, yeah, let's just get into this podcast right now. Here it is. It's the Mr. Vincent Podcast, episode 51. Tap in. So, uh, overall, what's your thoughts so far on the re, um, the restart of the season so far with this, with this bubble um, aspect? I have to say I'm very impressed with the way the NBA executed this bubble. The fact that they have still, I think at this point haven't had any additional negative tests since the beginning it it just speaks wonders as to how an organization can really take it seriously they value obviously it, it seems as though they value the players enough to make sure 
that everyone is safe from the coronavirus, but also just the way that they've been able to be so efficient with it. it it's really, really impressive. And obviously when it comes to the basketball aspect, yes, it is weird not having fans because I think a lot of times when you watch a game, that crowd energy is what you look forward to, especially the, locally, the TD Garden. I, a lot of players from other teams have said that the TD Garden is one of the harder arenas to play in. So just knowing how important the fan aspect of a game is, is a bit disappointing. But at the same time, I think we're still getting quality basketball. We're making do. And at the end of the day, it's it's basketball. Like there are bigger and more important things in life right now than having fans in a crowd. So overall, I'd give the NBA an A plus for how they've been able to pull this off. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I basically share the same sentiments as you on that. Um, I was real skeptical prior to it starting because, like you said, like the fans are like such a huge, important aspect of a game. And whether you're home or away, like how that can like dramatically shift the basketball game. I wasn't right. sure how it was going to play out. So I'm pleasantly surprised to see that these players are like still have like the same energy that they would necessarily have in a regular um, situation. And even the announcers like on was it Thursday night, the game between um, the Nets and Portland. I mean, Kevin mm-hmm. Harlan did a great job calling that game. And I was worried about, like, prior to the start, and, like, how are the announcers going to be calling games? Because they, they feed off the fans themselves, too, in a sense. So exactly. I was, like, real skeptical of what happened. But overall, I'm, I'm happy to see that the quality of play is, is good. Um, it's sucks to see that some people have gotten injured, some key players, but I think that that yeah. was kind of foreseeable, considering that you're playing in a condensed season. Mm-hmm. You're not getting enough rest. There's a lot, a lot of back-to-back games. Games are played at various times throughout the day, so – Right, exactly. And it's it, honestly with a sport, it's a, a very high contact sport in relation to like baseball, for example. So it is expected that injuries would occur. Obviously, we don't ever want to see people get injured. But I think whether there were fans or not, it was inevitable that people would be getting injured during that time. Mm. Yeah. Definitely. So, I mean, you have a pretty strong network with um, journalists. Do you know anybody who's down there reporting at the, at the bubble? Yeah, actually, Gary Washburn of the Boston Globe, he's there right now. It's funny because uh, NABJ, the National Association of Black Journalists, mm-hmm. and also the Boston Association of, Black, Association of Black Journalists, I'm a member of both of them. And over the last two weeks, really, the NABJ virtual conference was last week. And before that, BABJ had uh, like a virtual happy hour just for people in Boston to get to meet each other virtually during this time. And every single time that I was, I happened to be on a Zoom call with Gary, he was always at a game, which was just so hilarious to me. He had his little NBA mask on, but he's he's been in the bubble. He's been working hard. Shout out to Gary. I don't, I'm trying to think off the top of my head real quickly if I know anyone else personally. Yeah. I don't, locally, I think Gary might be the only, I, I could be wrong, but. From what I know, it seemed like Gary was the only Boston local person that was in the bubble. But I could be wrong. I just know that, like, NBC Sports Boston didn't send me one. And then I don't know who else would have other than the Globe. So, Gary's there. Shout out to him. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, because I'm just curious to see. Because we did hear about the players having to adjust to this new new normal, so to speak. But I wonder, like, how a journalist would approach that. Um, You know, being, like, away from their family, too. And, like any adaptation they had to make on the fly um, due to the pandemic. Right. That's actually a really good point. And I, I would definitely um, be, well, I would ask him that for sure, because I know that I've heard some people that are in the bubble talk about how it's not, 
I mean, people like us on, as outsiders are like, oh, the bubble sounds so cool. But for I know for a fact that for media, it's not there's not that much to do. Like you're still in this secluded area. Mm-hmm. It's not like you can just randomly go to like the zoo or something. I don't know why I said the zoo, but like you can't just go anywhere. So they're still stuck in the you know the quarantine aspect of that and there you know whatever activities there are there is what they're kind of limited to okay, to your point though now i really should have asked gary what he's been getting into there i'm gonna next time i talk to him i'm gonna get the scoop for you <laughs> okay good i'm really i'm really actually curious to like find out like from a journalist's perspective what it's right. like being in the in the bubble mm-hmm. um but yeah let's talk some some celtics so they already um we know monday 6 30 they play the Sixers in round one. Um, I don't know if I'll go as far to say it's an arch nemesis, so to speak, but there's some animosity between the two teams. And then to even make it worse, Al Horford left the Celtics last season, exactly. free agency, and signed with them. Um, so what are you like expecting from this series? Like, Do you think that Philly can really like make a, a, um, a competitive series? Because... Um, I seen that um, Brad Stevens was saying basically before that um, he was praising like the Sixers, even with losing Ben Simmons, how they mm-hmm. still have a lot of like floor spacing and their ability to be flexible with, with playing Embiid and Horford at the same time or one of them in a small ball lineup. But honestly, I just don't see that that they, that they can really beat the others in the, in the series. Well, to Brad Stevens' credit, he is one of those coaches that will always acknowledge the strengths of a, a team no matter who they are. And I think that's why, as you know, the Celtics just re-upped his deal. And he's a very smart coach. So when it comes to, like, for as an outsider or, you know, even for the casual fan, when you look at these teams and even if there's just a bias of, like, oh, I like Boston versus Philly, Brad Stevens looks at the game for more than the surface level, and he acknowledges the strengths of every player. You know, you and I aren't watching film on a daily basis, so he sees – those things on, you know, what, you know, strengths those teams have. And if we're being honest, I think that this matchup will be competitive, not even just because of the talents on both teams, but everyone wants to win at the end of the day. Like I, you know, I get frustrated with predictions during games because like at the end of the day, on any given day, someone's going to go off unexpectedly and they're going to change the narrative for that night for whatever team they play for. So you never know who's going to step up one day and be like, you know what? I'm tired of hearing, you know, the trash talk. I'm going to step up and do this for the Celtics today, or I'm going to go off for the Sixers. Obviously there are the, the players that we look at the Joel Embiid's and Jason Tatum's, and we know that we'll get for the most part consistency from them. But I really do think this is going to be a competitive game. And especially the fact that, this is like the most historic time to be playing basketball. I remember at the beginning of when we were talking about the bubble, people were like, oh, whoever wins, are we going to have to put asterisks next to this game? And honestly, there should be no asterisk. If anything, that win should be in bold font, highlighted, italicized, whatever is needed, because you're asking players to leave their families to literally dedicate the rest of, however long this season ends up being for them to basketball solely. Like, yes, they play basketball for a living. They make money off of it. But the reality is they've never had to live in a specific spot for an, like, you know, the rest of the playoff season or, you know, what the regular season just ended, but then a playoff season as well. And literally not 
you know, decide what they want to do. They can't just like get up and go anywhere on a regular basis. Like whether they're talking to family on FaceTime or golfing, as we saw Taco Fall has been doing, you know, they, yes, there are some activities that they can get into, but the reality is they're there for basketball and they're spending so much more time around the game that whoever wins this, it's going to be fairly earned in, in, in just something that we're all going to look forward to, I think as fans and consumers. Mm, okay, interesting. Yeah, and the same fact that um, everybody, it's not like everybody doesn't have the same equal playing field in the aspect. Like, there's like yeah, there's no fans. Everybody's away from their families. And I think I even um, seen a video today on YouTube. I think it was first take a few days ago. I didn't even know that that LeBron, LeBron basically admitted that he's still adjusting to the life with no fans in the, in, the, in, the, in attendance of the games. So You said he's adjusted to the life of no, no. fans? He's actually still like adjusting to it, like still trying to adjust oh. to the fact that there's no fans. Like, I mean, I LeBron James, and you know, people literally buy tickets to see you. If anyone should have a hard time adjusting to that, it should be him because people will buy tickets no matter how much it costs to make sure whatever arena he's in is full. So I can imagine going from literally a hundred to zero very quickly, not having that loud noise, that motivation of fans. Not that LeBron needs fans to motivate him, but I can imagine how different it is for sure. Exactly. Especially somebody like him who's been in the spotlight since he was like 16 years old. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So my only thing with the Sixers, why I don't think that it would be competitive. Like if it was a, a regular season with fans in attendance, pos- I, possibly it could be because I believe they were like prior to the season being suspended 29 and two at home. Um, but now there's no, like, there's no home games. Everybody's in the, I mean, the virtual fans don't make a difference. I, I don't think in the way that these guys are playing. No, so, I mean, the, the cool part I will say is the fact that it's essentially uh, sometime for most of them, it's like a, a family room in a sense where you get to see the fans, but also the family members. So the players mm-hmm. can look up and see their son, daughter or wife or, you know, playing or what we want playing, watching them play. But obviously, it's still not the same as seeing that physical face there. But I, I'm sure it's comforting to look up for, like, Jason Tatum and see Deuce on the screen watching the game. So, like mm. you said, it doesn't make a huge difference, but I'm sure it makes some kind of impact. Mm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, so you're saying that most of the fans, like, do they get to just choose who gets to be on the virtual screen, like the players or the organization? Well, I know for a fact that the Celtics, um, every game that – they've had I follow a few people on Instagram where I've seen so in like in the regular NBA season when you like when we watch in real life all the teams have a for at least from what I'm aware of they have a fan what we call a family room where family children anyone related to the players they have a specific room dedicated to them going in that room just finding food whatever they need they can like relax there at halftime and so what I, I'm calling this like a virtual family room because I, like I said, I saw an Instagram story that there was basically a virtual room where all the family members were watching the game. Like you could see everyone's little face in there. And at one of the games I saw like Kemba's mom and, and Deuce, uh, Jason Tatum's son and his Jason Tatum's mo- mother as well. So there, I don't know exactly the ins and outs of how that is organized, but I do know that every once in a while you will see those specific people on the screen as well. So I'm not sure who picks who to put on the screen, but I know that they all are essentially watching the game together virtually. And then I guess they kind of pick who they're going to throw on the big screen as well. Mm, okay. Interesting. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, so you brought up Jason Tatum. I wanted to talk to you about him too. And like this year has been like a coming up 
coming out party for him this year. I think his season averages so far um, during the season was like 23 points a game, seven rebounds, three assists, 45% shooting from the field. Uh, me personally, I always said, like, I, I'm not sure if he could ever be a top five player in the league at some point in his career. Definitely a top 10 player. But now after this season, I'm like, yeah, he might be top five in the league at one point. What do you think is like some of like the biggest like um, improvements he made in his game from his previous first two years? Wow. Um, I think he was he, – you can tell like the way that his game has become a bit more polished for him coming out of Duke. Obviously, he was already like, you know, blessed by Kobe and just like everyone was looking to him as you know the next kid for the boston celtics and i think honestly it, it wasn't even just the beginning of the season i think after they and, and it's not even me thinking i think it is like a, a consensus that after he was named an all-star he really stepped it up and it wasn't necessarily because of the name but it obviously was a goal of his from jump he had just lost one of his biggest mentors in kobe and for all of that to come together i think it, it helped him lock into the game and just really be focused on, you know, getting better on a daily basis. And we can see after, you know, bad games, when it was, I can't remember what game it was. He had a really bad game. And he, right after we see on his Snapchat, he's at the Celtics practice facility, you know, getting some shots in because he's like, nah, this is unacceptable. So, I mean, I, I think his overall game has continued to improve. I'm curious as to how we'll see him go off in the playoffs because a lot of times we'll see players, in the regular season, and they're like, oh, this guy is like, he's gotten really good. Like, I would say the same for Jalen Brown as well. But then, I don't know, there's just this thing that that changes, like a momentum shift when we get to the playoffs. And we think regular season basketball is fun and great and all of that. But when you watch playoff basketball, I think there's just a whole le new level. You realize that, you know, you have to perform that night or you could be sent home immediately. And so mm -hmm. that kind of tap tapping in for the players to just know, like, all right, this is it. Like, if you don't win or, you know, come out through and do the right thing, you're packing your bags, you're leaving Orlando, even if you may want to go home to Orlando, that's not the scenario in which you'd want to be sent home. So I, I, I've seen a lot of improvement in his game overall, but I'm curious as to see how the playoffs will just step him, you know, give him a step up overall. Mm. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so I mean, I think that I, I've seen improvement in like his shot selection. I think that has a lot to do with the fact that the ball is moving more in the Celtics offense than it was last year <laughs> due to some oh, players sure. being gone. Um, which is which is no knock on those players. I mean, your game is your game, but the ball moves a lot more fluidly in the in the offense this year, and I feel like his ball handling has got a lot a lot tighter. Mm -hmm. um, but point, I think you're right. The Celtics, um, the just the way that they are on offense, it's it's a less selfish of a game than it was last year and not mm -hmm. to knock anyone individually, like you said, but I think like everyone is, is willing to give up that look if they see that someone else has a better shot and they're, you know, they're passing the ball more. They're really, it, it's more what they call Celtics basketball. It's team oriented. It's not about, even though I think media and, and fans make it about Jalen Brown and or Jason Tatum. I think the Celtics themselves make it about, Whoever has the best shot at the time, if we can get the ball to them, let's get it to them. And that's what Celtics basketball has histor historically been known for. That's Brad Stevens' system of basketball. And so now that it's not about an individual player per se, I think that's what makes the team look more polished overall. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, Tatum kind of reminds me of a, of a cross between 
Carmelo Anthony and Paul George. His style of play. Tatum? You think that's fair? Yeah. A fair assessment? I mean, I never thought of that, to be honest. But now that you mention it, I could see aspects of their game where he probably has been influenced by. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I've I've never even thought of it like that, actually. Yeah, Mm. maybe. More from this convo coming up soon, but first, a word from the good people over at Anchor. All right, back to this conversation with Kwani Lunas, Celtics Talk. We're talking about the, the ball moving in the system this year. Um, I see during the bubble, like, they were really, like, the games that they won, like, there was, like, a high amount of assists uh, per the team. Um, 29 assists they had when they beat the Grizzlies, and I, I forgot how many assists they had when they beat another team. Um, but yeah, it's like, do you think that that's going to be their, their main their main focus going forward into the um, the playoffs? The Celtics uh, assist, yep. getting the assist up? Yep, and keeping the ball moving. For sure. I would, again, I, I think going back to the way that the game is is structured for the Celtics specifically. I think if they can keep the assist up, but not do it just because you don't want to be that selfish player that tries to, you know, you get a look and you don't go for it just because you're like, oh, someone else is open. Like, I do think that every once in a while you just have to get the shot, you know, just shoot it and see what happens. But at the end of the day, if you, you know, if there's an opportunity for an assist and you know that this player is going to get it in, why not, you know? And Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what makes good basketball, not being selfish, but also – you know, taking the judgment and be willing to live with the decision you make because sometimes you you think you have an open look and you go for it and it just doesn't go, you know, fall through. And that's that's okay. Like, I've heard Brad Steven say before, like, so, you know, if he has an open shot and it was a good shot, you know, you can't just, you know, you can't regret it because that, that's how basketball is. It's, a you know, every once in a while you're going to miss some. That's just the reality of the game. But I would say, yeah, assists are very important, but obviously – the points column is way more important when it comes to winning. So if you have to lose some assists in order to keep the points up and, and to win the game and close it out, then, you know, do what you got to do. Cause at the end of the day you want to win. And again, no one wants to get sent home from Orlando. So whatever, you know, is going to help you secure that W then do it. Mm-hmm. No, I hear, okay. I hear that. Oh yeah. So it was 32 assists they had and the victory over the magic and overtime. Um, I wanted to talk to you about Brad Steven too, cause you brought that up. So you brought up that they recently extended him. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the length and the dollars was undisclosed. Mm-hmm. Um, now personally, I feel like I can see Brad Steven being a long tenured coach with the Celtics, similar to Greg Popovich with the Spurs and Jerry Shalom with the jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, is, that, is that the feeling around like Boston media with Brad Stevens and the Celtics? I mean, you know? I mean, I haven't talked to any Boston media recently, but I would say before we were quarantined and got to see each other on a regular basis, yes, that was definitely the case. I've heard a lot of players, whether they played for him or have just watched how he coaches, speak very highly of him. And it's it's I I saw a tweet recently um, after he signed that extension, and someone was like, "Why would the Celtics?" sign like why would they re-sign Brad Stevens and I think it was Greg Monroe who was like why not like you know he's if obviously like I don't know I just don't understand why people get very critical of coaches especially it's like if you never played the game then you really just can't talk and for Mm -hmm. players and other coaches to praise Brad Stevens work and all the time we hear about how he really is like this X's and O's person and he really you know, studies the game and he's a basketball junkie and he understands the ins and outs of it. 
I mean, what more else do you want from a coach? I mean, if you hear Greg Popovich get singing the praises of Brad Stevens and people consider him to be a GOAT, then, like, why would you keep these blinders up and not give him credit where credit is due? I think right now for the Celtics franchise, um, he's behind Red Auerbach, Tommy Heinsohn, and Doc Rivers. So to be behind those great legendary coaches, not even legendary just for the Celtics, legendary for the league itself, then it's mm-hmm. like when it comes to wins, then what more else do you want? Like, obviously, he hasn't led the team to the, you know, the big goal, the, the chip. But at the end of the day, if he can bring these, the, the team to a playoff, he's brought the team to the playoffs for the last few years. And, I mean, you can imagine within this year or next, then the momentum that he's been building over these last few seasons is eventually going to pay off. You know, I, I, I do believe that. So I'm curious to see how this season, the end of this um, playoff season ends for the Celtics. But if not this year, like you said, I really do think that with the way that he's coaching, with the way Danny Ainge is managing that team and bringing in good players, literally stealing players like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown out of the draft, then like, mm-hmm. what more can you ask for? I don't know if you remember, but players, I mean, my players, fans literally booed that pick. When they saw Jalen Brown was selected, they're like, oh, who's this guy? We don't know who he is. And here they are. He just signed his extension with the team, and they're like, wow, he should have got paid more. So for play, you know, for the team to be managed by someone like Danny and then coached by Brad who can understand the talent of his players and really find a way to make it work, it's not going to be a perfect science because nothing ever is, but – I really do think that Brad will, you know, be someone that can stay around with this team for a long time, but also lead them to a point where they are a real threat in the East, especially because now that LeBron's not in the East, it's the East, I think, is still up for grabs on any given day. So if Brad Mm. is the best coach in the East to do that, then why not? Mm. Okay, yeah. I mean, like, I, I, I love the hire when they hired him back in the offseason in 2013 because mm-hmm. um, it's clear that Doc Rivers didn't want to be a part of the rebuilding process, so you know, he got to go to the Clippers to coach there. And here you had Brad Steven coming off of his success at Butler, mm-hmm. um, an underdog, and so they, they built it for him to grow with the, with the young talent that they had mm-hmm. and come up in the ranks of the NBA coach. I know it kind of turned, I know it turned a lot of people off that the fact that uh, – person with no experience got a head coaching job in the NBA, no experience on the head coach in the professional level. Right. But I think it worked out great. I mean, 25 wins the first season, the 13-14 season, mm-hmm. to, to consecutive in, um, conference finals in 17 and 18. Right. I mean, last year, um, dealing with, you know, Gordon Hayward coming off that horrific injury mm-hmm. and also incorporating Kyrie back into the offense. I mean, that that was like an unusual circumstance. Exactly. And, I, and it wasn't expected. Like, when we mm-hmm. came into the last season – you looked at that that Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward duo, and you're like, well, not Leslie, sorry, the season before that. You look at that duo, and you're like, oh, this is going to be it. Like, this is a godsend. The Celtics are going to top the East for the next 20 years. Like, that's how dramatic everyone was. And obviously, within the first few minutes of that game in Cleveland, Gordon Hayward goes down, and he crushes the dreams of that duo. But then, you know, chaos just kind of emerged from that, like, the, the team that people expected to see did not exist. But I will say before that, you look at Brad Stevens' win record, every season um, from when he started onward, you know, his win, his regular se- season win percentage continued to go up. Yes, he, last season wasn't the greatest, but now that we're looking at that team and, and what he's been able to, how he's been able to rebound from a season that people were very disappointed by, I think 
that's what coaching is about. You have to be able to, you know, you have these expectations that are set and sometimes your expectations don't pan out the way you wanted them to. So then you have to regroup. That's what basketball is about. You, you can be down in the first half and then second half comes around. You have to regroup. You have to figure out a way to pull out the win. And that's what Brad has been able to do over his last few seasons with the team. Every time, you know, we expected one thing. And if that wasn't the outcome, he turned around, he pivoted literally and just, you know, figure out a way to bring the team back together and and make it work. Mm, yeah, I mean, I, I think the future still. I think he's still young. Brad Stevens is in the NBA realms. Yeah, I think NBA, I, yeah, NBA definitely young. <laughs> and it's, and the future still still bright for him. So before we get out of here, I want to ask you one question. Uh, first of all, um, great job on the interview you did with Enos Kander last week. Thank you. No problem. So, um, what? So, in terms of what's everything that's going on um, in the society with the fight for um, social equality mm-hmm. and the wake of the George Floyd uh, murder, yeah. um, do you? Are, 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 to your knowledge, are they still? How are like these players? Like, well, talk more about the Celtics. How are they still trying to get their voices heard um, d- while still committing to playing down in the bubble? So, I think going into the bubble, one thing that Ennis told me on that interview on Instagram live for NBC 10 Boston quick plug (laughs) he mentioned the fact that him taco and Jalen would sit down and have these dinners and just talk about what more they can do and I think the biggest thing coming into it he mentioned was the fact that you don't want to go into a situation when you're talking about social justice and not really understand what you're fighting for because if it gets to the point where you're just talking to talk or you're talking for attention people aren't going to listen to you you know you're talking about the lives of Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd. But if you didn't do any research and you don't have any evidence to back it and, and really just talk with knowledge. And if you sound ignorant at the end of the day, obviously you have people that are pro the black lives matter movement, but the people that aren't, you can't convince them to side with you if you don't even know what you're talking about. So I think for Ennis and and Jalen Brown and Taco, at least from what Ennis told me, they wanted to go into the situation making sure that they knew as much as they they can about, you know, social justice, the history of race relations here in the United States, and just make sure that they don't sound ignorant when it, you know, where they're in front of the cameras, because also they understand, and Ennis has said this as well, that they do have this huge platform. They're all stuck, yes, in Orlando, but even the NBA allowed the opportunity for them to change, you know, the messaging on their jerseys and change what the court looks like. It literally says Black Lives Matter. You can't miss it. It's everywhere when you're watching basketball at this point. So going into it, I think, especially the Celtics, which was kind of a surprise for me, just as you know, Boston already has this reputation, as do a lot of other cities and states, but Boston tends to get a lot of slack when it comes to racism and so for players like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and even Marcus Smart and obviously Ennis Cantor, who was, he told me his life has always been about freedom and equality. I don't know if you know his backstory, but he's from Turkey. And right now he literally can't even go back home or see his family because he's considered to be, I think a, at this point, a terrorist because yes, of I- the regi- regime that is now in Turkey. So he knows what fighting for justice is. You, you know, a lot of people are looking like, oh, he's just a white guy. Like from an external, you probably just think he's a white guy, but he probably understands the black experience more than, you know, some other black people at this point. And he's willing to talk about it. And he's unapologetic about that movement. So I do definitely think that the Celtics deserve props for it. Marcus Smart, you know, has started a lot of his press conferences saying, 
we need justice for Breonna Taylor. It's been months and Breonna Taylor's um, killers are still on, they're loose, they're free. They're, you know, there's no repercussions for their actions. And for someone like Marcus Smart, who I, I didn't even understand, like I didn't even know that he was passionate about, you know, social justice until we got to this point. It just speaks volumes as for the players at least that they realize that at the end of the day, they are, yes, NBA players. And, you know, if they're driving around in Boston, they're probably good because people know the Jalen Browns, the Marcus Smarts, they know their faces, they know their names. But I always say the reality is if a Jalen Brown was to go to a middle of nowhere in Mississippi and no one knew exactly who he was and didn't watch basketball, the wrong cop pulled him over, we don't know what his fate could be. And that's a reality for a lot of NBA players. Especially, you know, we have the superstars, but let, let, what about the Javante Greens or the Brad Wanamakers that people may not know their name necessarily? If you're not on the mm-hmm. billboard like LeBron James, the reality is you're just another black man in America. And for them to understand not only the reality of, who, you know, their situation, but to understand the platform that they have to potentially make change, it, it, it's, it's inspiring because for the people that can't speak up for themselves, the families who have lost their children to police brutality they see that and they're like wow i'm glad that someone is actually willing to speak up for me because i really am tired of the phrase stick to sports and you know shut up and dribble because for people like it was laura ingram who said the shut up and dribble for her to to look at that situation and say all right athletes should stay in their place and then to have a double standard when you see drew Brees say something about what he thinks kneeling during the anthem means Obviously, eventually he ended up reneging on that on that um, statement. But mm-hmm. for that double standard to exist for black athletes versus white athletes just shows us how much more change needs to come in the United States and how ignorant a lot of people are as to what's going on. And and a lot of people just are blinded by their own experiences and would rather not. They rather would just watch black players entertain them and do what they've been doing for years. Just be entertainers be quiet and do what I'm paying you to do essentially. But that's not the case anymore. We see that now with the death of George Floyd. We now realize that, you know, for black people, you can't be quiet anymore. And if you're, if you're being quiet, you're being complacent. If you're not speaking out against injustice, I think Martin, whoever said it, I may be misquoting, but injustice anywhere is injustice everywhere. And if we're mm-hmm. not making sure that everyone is, is at a point where they feel as though they have equal opportunities in this country, we're gonna have to be okay with people speaking out. And I think that's where we are now. That's what the NBA has proven. The WNBA is not getting enough credit for the social justice activism that they're doing as well. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, you know, I'm hopeful that eventually we'll be seeing some kind of movement, some tra- kind of change in the next few months and years but until then you know i'm okay with watching these players speak out because the reality is i think a lot of people say like oh you're a journalist you're supposed to be objective on every situation yes i am objective i'm reporting the fact that these players are speaking out against injustice but the reality is at the end of the day i am still a black person in america and whether i'm a journalist or not the same situation i mentioned about jalen being somewhere where no one knew he was the same situation could happen to you know any other black person as well so i you know that's basically you know a summary of what they've been doing when it comes to speaking out and i know that they will continue now that they've reached the playoffs yes basketball is a focus but 
I think for a lot of players, especially like Jalen Brown, who drove all the way from Atlanta, um, from Boston to Atlanta, just to make sure that his voice was heard, this cause is very much important to them. And they will continue to speak until they feel as though they don't have to anymore. Yeah, um, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I'm I'm happy that they're using the, the NBA as a platform. Like I said, a lot of people like myself was craving for sports to be back, you know, to take your mind off the situation that's going on with the whole pandemic and everybody being trapped inside the house. But I, I was I was shocked at how many people didn't want them to come back and just to focus on the social issue. Mm-hmm. Um, like like it's impossible for them to balance those two at the same time. And mm-hmm. I'm glad I think that they're proving now that you can actually do that while committing to your team um, and to your, um, your career because you do want to be able to put yourself in a position that, that you think you're worth financially going forward, um, but you're actually still um, um, helping the cause for social equality and, and combating racial injustice. Right, and, and, and that's a really good point because I actually, I will admit I was guilty. I was one of those people that looked at the basketball returning and I was very skeptical as to if basketball would overshadow the cause that these players wanted to be a part of, but they proved me wrong. Even Jalen Brown, uh, after, I think it was after they beat Orlando, Jalen Brown went on this, this whole basically educational experience and broke down what, you know, social justice looks like. And, like police brutality and and he just went you know he didn't even want to talk about basketball he you know yes they won all right next question we're not going to talk about the win yes we you know we got this overtime win it was important to us but that's not what i'm here to talk about like we don't really need to talk about what i did on defense because at the end of the day i want to talk about social justice so for like you said for him to use that platform and just say look you saw me you saw me play I'm going to talk to you about police police brutality and break it down for you because clearly a lot of people don't understand what it is. You know, we watched George Floyd get murdered and we're still not willing to accept that police brutality exists. So for him, again, to use that platform and just break it all down and say, look, people are being murdered in cold blood. That, you know, that speaks volumes. And so I am glad I was proven wrong. Yes, they can focus on two things at once, but... And they've not even, but they, they figured out a way to balance it out. You know, if you can perform on the court where literally no one can ask you any questions, that's kind of what it is. Like if you, if you can't question the way I performed on the court, I have the control to say whatever I want after in that post game press conference, because I already did what I was supposed to do. I did my job there and now I'm going to do my job in front of these cameras broadcasted to people around the world, essentially and tell them what I really think about police brutality. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like the fact that they are using this, taking advantage of this platform and this time and showing that we're still here fighting the good fight. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So really dope to see. Right. Um, so I know you got to go, um, so we can pretty much wrap it up here. Is there anything you'd like to uh, plug in? I, you can plug my social handle, Kwanee Lunas, everywhere, Twitter, Instagram. I'm very much looking forward to this playoff series, revisiting this playoff series between the Celtics and Sixers. Who are you taking? Celtics are going to win. I got, I got them in six. I, yeah, that would be a good one. I would, I would love to see six as well. I think seven is a little too much for them, but I mean, like yeah, I, the fatigue aspect of it. I think they could. I'll, yeah, I think they could do it in six for sure. 
Yeah, I just felt like with the loss of Ben Simmons and that team just seemed like it's like that lost his eye. Doesn't have any identity, no leadership. I mean, Brett Brown's basically fighting for his his job, which I think well, I think he'll be like let go in the offseason. What's looking like? I just don't think that they have that camaraderie that the Celtics do. And then, even though that their size can be a, a difficult problem for the Celtics, I think the Seas will still win a six. Hmm. We shall see then, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, my friend, thank you very much for coming on and you have a great rest of your day. Thanks for having me. You as well. No, thanks. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. All right, special thanks to Kwani Lunas. Truly appreciate you for coming on this episode and contributing. Greatly appreciated. Thank you to Anchor. And of course, thank you guys for listening. And if you haven't already, be sure to hit that subscribe button as the Mr. Vincent podcast is available on several platforms that include Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And feel free to leave a good review as well. I mean, it can't hurt. Uh, you can also keep up with me as well. Social media, Instagram and Twitter at Mr. Vincent 13. And you can also like my Facebook fan page as well. Emmanuel Vincent. Uh, that's all the time we have for now. I am planning on putting out another podcast this week, Thursday or Friday. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, follow me on IG to see what that is going to be focused on. Uh, Till then, you guys have a blessed week. Stay safe. Take care.